All right, welcome back to another episode of In the Zone. I am Anthony Pinello, joined by, as always, Giancarlo Alino, Chris Martelli. Boys, we got some hockey talk to get to, so uh, who's ever hosting this segment? Let's go. What do we got? All right, Alino, talk about this Leafs roster. Talk about, uh, there's, a, there's a certain guy uh, on this team. Actually, it's pretty appropriate because... This is episode 89, and it looks like he's going to be wearing 89. Uh, Nick Robertson, he made the Phase 3 roster. What are, you, what are the chances that this guy actually plays for the Toronto Maple Leafs this postseason against Columbus? I think the chances are good. I think he's uh, developed nicely. He's had a lot of hype around him. A lot of people even slotted in the lineup. Uh, making it out of training camp, which is crazy because they had uh, some prospects, some cap issues. But I think people are going to be surprised at making the opening night roster. I think we'll see him in the exhibition game with Montreal uh, at the end of the month. And then after once they play Columbus game one, it's not going to be out of the realm of possibility. We see this guy top six on the wing. I don't, see, I don't think he'll be the center. So I see him on the wing and I see him getting some power play time. Uh, with John Tavares and William Nylander. So this guy, I think he's a real deal. Uh, the Leafs have a lot of high hopes for him. They're going to be in a lot of cap trouble next year. So this is a contract that's going to favor them next year for sure. And I think he's going to get a head start on uh, capturing some uh, of the Leafs fan base during this playoff run. Yeah, he's, he's had a, a year this year. You've heard really heard a lot about Nick Robertson just starting from last summer. But I think the only thing with him is that are you willing to take out like a Clifford or an Engvall to put in another skilled guy? I'm not sure how that would work, but like he's had an amazing year. I would definitely throw him in there for a few games, just like the Leafs how with their bottom six. They like filter guys in and out all the time. I think he'll be another one of those guys and he definitely deserves it. Well, you mentioned maybe scratching Clifford or Angville, but what would what would you guys do if maybe they, they went a different approach and they, they maybe scratched like a Kerfoot or a Kapanen to really send a message? We know Kapanen, he's been a big part of our team this year. You know, he does penalty kill, uh, a little bit of power play. He kind of does almost everything. He's a hard worker, but he can maybe pull a pull an interesting move like that where you can maybe see Kerfoot or Maybe sitting in the game, maybe like a crucial game, game two, game three, just to see a young Nick Robertson make his way into the lineup. Or do you think they'll just do the typical scratch the fourth line? I, I don't think they'll go that far to take out like a Kerfoot or a Kapanen. I wouldn't be opposed to it just because like a lot of these guys all have similar games. But I think they'll just stick with what they usually You'll see Freddie the Goat. You'll see Clifford a bit. I, I hope I see Spezza most of the time. That's a guy you should really, with all of this rest, I would really count on him for the bottom six role. But I don't know. I don't, I don't see them taking Kerfoot out. That's just me. Uh, yeah, everything Piniello you said there, I agree 100%. I think there's going to be something where the exhibition game against Montreal is going to be telling of the kind of lineup we'll see. I think uh, Sheldon Keefe is going to give Kerfoot, Kapanen that opportunity. One of those two I think will be the odd man out uh, going into Columbus game one there but i think kerfoot he might be the one most likely out i don't think they'll take clifford out because they need that toughness i think frederick goche is in a good opportunity or a good position there with spezza i, th I don't think they want to uh ruin that too much having them as a penalty kill have spezza skill so uh i don't think they'll take goche for a winger who's skilled 
I want. I think the fourth line is probably safe. They want a lot of defensive ability. They want some grit with Clifford. And uh, yeah, I think Robertson too. Like when we saw in the World Junior, this guy was putting up numbers, scoring nice goals. I think he's in a really nice position here, maybe to make a run. But uh, I see Clifford being the odd man out. Wow, I'm surprised at that. I, I think Clifford's a big time guy, especially in the playoffs. I think you need a special. I think you need these type of players. Uh, like what Lo uh, uh, said, where if um, I don't know if they're going to have the ball scratch Kapanen and Kerfoot, but I'm not scratching Clifford or Spezza, especially in a in a marquee playoff matchup where experience is huge. Man, we've seen that time and the postseason, you know, like a guy like a William, you know, type of guys that have that experience, you know, you, you never scratch them. You always keep them in the lineup. Kind of like when we had Marlo and Brian Boyle that year, just bring that veteran presence, keep them in the lineup. So I think that's exactly what they need to do here. I think see how he is in the in the exhibition games. Another guy that's coming back as well is Mikheyev. We all when he started the season. So I think a lot of the guys are going to actually want to make the roster, like Gauthier and maybe, believe it or not, like Jason Smith, it's going to be tough. But I have no idea if this guy's actually going to suit up and play for the Leafs this postseason. But we also talk about defensemen. We've seen, you know, a couple names here, uh, Matt Holloway replacing Timothy Lilgren because apparently Lilgren has been after dropping spots. Talk about a guy Timothy Lilgren I got drafted. your guys thoughts on Timothy Lilgren's development as well? You guys were worried? Chris, you were kind of cutting out at the end there. Didn't really hear that. No, I was saying, are you guys really, uh, are you guys surprised about Timothy Lilgren's development? Not really. I think he's coming along nicely. I think just as Lee fans, people expect, like, he's this right-handed defenseman, this puck-moving right-handed D that we need to carry some of the load and everyone wants him to come up right away. But, like, he had that year where he had mono. And then he had a solid year in the AHL. Uh, I think he went back to Sweden before that. I like. I think he's coming along fine. He got some games last year in the show. Uh, I think it's just a matter of time before you see him. So like, it's unfortunate that he's he may or may not play this time around. But I got I got no worries with Timothy. I'm more surprised with Bracco. Like I think they brought Adam Brooks instead. And when you look at who is on the depth chart, you would think Bracco should be here by now. The kind of uh, years he put down there in the AHL, uh, I got to see him even live. Like him and Timoshoff when they were down there, just tearing it up. And Bracco's speed, I think, is ready for an NHL caliber player. I don't know why they don't want to put him up. They've given everyone else on that Marley's team uh, an opportunity. Uh, they've given Brooks an opportunity. Kenny Augustino is going to be there, so we might even see him for a game or two. He led the team in scoring, but. Bracco, I think, easily was the best player. Skill-wise, it's everything. He fits well with this team. So not having him in the lineup was a little surprising. And maybe he's going to be traded for sure now. So it's all about who you get from. Uh, and hopefully it's somewhere or somebody that can make an impact on this team for next year. 
Timothy Lilgren maybe, you know, making the Leafs roster next year, or do you see the Leafs maybe making? Do you maybe see the Leafs making, um, you know, a bit another defenseman to maybe smooth down Lilgren's uh, development and kind of like Bracco? I don't really know, man. Like when I'm thinking of like Lilgren and like our, if we're gonna be patient enough for this guy, because like we have Sandine, we have Riley, we got Muzzin, we got. Dermot is another guy that I think he I think he has another step. I think this guy could maybe get a little bit better. I know CC's probably gone. Barry, it's not either. So maybe it makes it guys. I don't really know if I'm confident in Lilgren at the moment. I, I would have maybe thought his development should have maybe took a step forward this season, but unfortunately he played eleven games, had one assist. And the same thing with Jim Cracko. And then all of a sudden, he's been stuck in the A. He's been producing in the A. But, again, our our depth, I think, at forward is just so, so deep that I don't see Jeremy Bracco making a team. And I think that's where the morale goes down, and that's where he wants out. So I guess the next question i got to ask you guys is, do you think a good for a guy like Jeremy Bracco is? Because every team, in my eyes, has a Jeremy Bracco. So who do you guys think – where do you guys think Jeremy Bracco should maybe land if it's not the Leafs? I feel like it's just an automatic answer now to say Arizona. Like Arizona or the Devils, the team that could use some depth scoring. But, like, if you're the Leafs and you want to keep a guy like Bracco, like we're talking about guys getting filtered out on the fourth line all the time, but if he's going to really stay, I look at, it like, Janssen, Kapanen, and Kerfoot. One of those guys probably have to go for a guy like Bracco to stay in our system. There's just – there's just so many of the same players. So, um, yeah, so th- that's Bracco. For Lilgren, like, I think if you're the Leafs, you need Lilgren to take a step because you don't want to fucking trade four assets for a defenseman. They did that with Muzzin before. We got him locked up a little longer. So I th- Lilgren, I'm not worried about him as much as you are, but he should take a step pretty soon and maybe come into this lineup as soon as next year. Yeah, and Lilgren, though... A lot of people remember when he was drafted, like there was hype around him. Oh, he fell to the leaves. Like he, this is a guy who could have easily gone in the top 10. And we haven't really seen that too much. We saw flashes in the minors, but when he got that opportunity with the Leafs, it was just like something was missing there. And hopefully he can take that step forward. He needs to take that step. I think it's like time's ticking for the Leafs patience here, but a guy like Bracco, I can see him going to the Western Conference. I don't think they want to trade him in the East and have to deal with that constantly of like, oh, look, you traded Bracco and he's killing it in the Eastern Conference. I think you're going to trade him to California, one of those teams. They have a good relationship with the Kings, made a lot of trades with them. Maybe they go back and see a trade with the Kings or maybe San Jose, who's desperate to make a move and need some younger bodies on their forward and uh, need some skill there. So maybe you're in a position where you can take somebody off their defense. I just don't see him being a little good. I can't see him being like a top two defenseman right now. So like if he takes a step next year, it's probably going to be similar to what Dermot did. He'll probably be in and out of the lineup at times. He'll be that sixth defenseman, seventh defenseman. So uh, I think it's going to be a slow uh, progression for Logan. I'm going to quickly discuss these three players because they're all very similar in style. We got Mikheyev, we got Hyman, and we got now Korshkov, who also made the Phase 3 roster. You can see these guys on the line. No way 
guys are going to stay on the lineup. So, guys, what do you guys think the Leafs and Kyle Dubas should do about that situation? Because we see how important Hyman has been the last four years with this team. Mikheyev looked amazing to start the season. He was gritty. He was scoring when we needed him to. He was on that third line with Kerfoot. Um, and, of course, then you got Korshkov, a guy who we drafted second round. He's a big Russian. He looks very, very good. I know, Alino, you're a big fan of him. What do you guys think the Leafs should do in terms of these three players? Because, again, if you have too many of one type of player, it's probably not going to mesh well. So kind of like a Bracco, do you guys maybe see a guy like a Korshkov maybe requesting to be moved if Mikheyev stays long-term? I think that's what they want in terms of Korshkov because this is the guy that they – this was the Matthews draft, right? They took him 31st. He was the first pick of the, uh, the second round. He's been putting some work into the KHL, but like I don't, I don't think they're too worried about that right now because Korshkov's still really young. He still doesn't really have much of an identity. But like for right now, I would try to spread all these guys out, have one on every line because uh, you have all of these skilled players. You have Mikheyev on one line, Korshkov on the other. And who was the last guy you said? Hyman? Yeah. So for now, I, don't, I, love, I love the mix right now. I don't think they have to worry about that until maybe a couple years down the road. But for now, it's a, it's a nice problem to have. Yeah, I agree there. I think uh, Korshkov might be someone you can put in, like just in case there's an injury or God test positive. But I don't think he'll be like a day-to-day starter. I think he's one of those guys where... Augustino, like Adam Brooks, like if you need a guy for that fourth line, you need a certain level of grit. Let's say Clifford gets injured or one of those guys, you can put him in there. I don't think he's going to be like a Robertson where they're going to pencil him in of a guy who can actually make that top six or third line role. Uh, I see them going with Mikheyev and Hyman. Uh, of course, everyone likes Zaki. He's a good player, good pro, loves his family. So uh, I think Zaki is uh, safe on that line with Tavares or Matthews, but uh, I think Hyman is uh, he's going to make that team. Uh, he's going to be playing a lot of minutes like last year, but I think he's going to be in and around. He's going to be all over the place on the penalty kill, maybe even on the power play at times if he's going. So I see him being uh, the most impactful out of the three. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, also, like I want to quickly talk about Kaskasul and Wall or Joseph Wall or whatever his name is, because these two goalies are actually looking really solid. And, uh, you know, Jack Campbell, we just traded for, and he was playing well. Freddie is, what, 30 years old now. If you guys had to pick a goalie for the future, is it Joseph Wall? Ooh. Real quick, did we get Kaskasua as a free agent? We did. Yeah, okay. <laughs> this is a very tough one. The other goalie we have is Ian Scott, but he's in junior. We're not used to having these luxury goalie problems. I'll go with Joseph Wall for now. I really cannot give you a reason why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm going Wall. Uh, Kaskasuo, I think they have him there just in case. I think they always had him in as maybe a third uh, string goalie. Maybe if worse comes to worse, he could be a backup. But I, I don't think they have any intentions of making him the guy on the Leafs. Uh, I think that's why they traded for Campbell. I think if they really had hopes for Kaskasuo and thought he could be that, they would have given him more of an opportunity when shit wasn't going good for the Leafs, when Babcock was uh, wearing his message out there in the room. I think they would have took a chance on him, but I think the limited time we saw Kaskasuo was telling that I don't think he can be a starter 
Maybe in down the line, he can be a serviceable backup for a team, but I think maybe Wool has higher potential. And Ian Scott in junior, I think they have high hopes for him, maybe to be uh, that guy down the road. He'll probably get the opportunity on the Marlies like all the other goalies have had, like Scrivens and Reimer, like all the guys that went through the system. He'll get that time in the Marlies. But uh, for now, if I'm going to go with a guy, I think Wool is probably the guy they want uh, down the road. All right, well, moving on, uh, Alino, I know you mentioned uh, in terms of the NBA that the ESPN, they continuously talk about this season, you know, having an asterisk around it, you know, saying that, you know, if if they if someone wins the championship, it's not going to mean as much as, you know, another season. Kind of like last year when the Raptors won, everyone was kind of putting the asterisk because, you know, Golden State had all the injuries and, you know, we were almost fully healthy, but, you know, no one talks about Kawhi being injured and all that, but um, he, was, he was injured. He was basically on one leg. What are your guys' thoughts on ESPN's comments in terms of, you know, having an asterisk on the season and whoever wins it really doesn't mean much. But then you have guys like Giannis who are saying that it's probably going to be even harder this year to win a championship in the bubble. So do you guys agree more with Giannis or do you guys agree more with ESPN in that, you know, it's just an asterisk type season. It's not going to mean much at the end of the day. Or do you take this type of situation and make it even more significant and say, you know, this was, an even bigger season, you know, it was more about the pandemic, COVID, our health, and we still want to chip. So which side are you guys on with that story? I'll, uh, I'll side with Giannis here. Just um, the, all the stories at first, like not knowing how everyone was going to react to it. And then you see over the course of a few months, like guys are fucking putting on so much weight and guys are like transforming their bodies. I think that like this little bit of time off has kind of motivated everyone. So it, everyone's going to go into it like on 100. This is going to be like a killer few months. But um, I think regardless, like there's always something to complain about whoever wins. It's always like with the Raptors. It's like it's what the Raps didn't do. It's what Golden State didn't do. It's not what the Raps did. It's what Golden State couldn't do. Like it was about KD and Clay the whole time. So I always feel like there's an asterisk on every championship they do. So like I side with Giannis on this one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. It- and when you look at it, I think this is probably harder to win a championship in this situation because you're with everybody. You're in different hotels. You're at Disney's complex there. And like, this is tough. Your whole routine has changed. Like, you're used to maybe flying to your uh, destination there and the away game. Uh, you're playing home. You're going. You're having your pregame meals. Everything is on a system. You, this whole routine you've been doing all year. And now when you're at Orlando, you don't have the same food over there. You saw guys, what they have in their rooms. They got, like, potato chips. They got candy loaded up. It's uh, airplane food-looking meals over there. So <laughs> this is tough. Like, you got to even practice at different times of the day. You don't can't mix in with too many other people because you can be at risk of getting COVID like that. You have to get tested every single day or every other day. So that's just uh, a hassle in itself. And then going to practice. And then when the games actually start how you recover from that. Some of these guys can't do what they usually and uh, like get away from the game. Like Michael Jordan in the last dance, you saw him playing golf all the time. That's how he got away from the game. Or going to the casino and being a gambler. And uh, that's how he got away from it. When you're seeing everybody on that Disney lot, you can't really get away from the game. You got to constantly hear about your game if you did good or bad. And uh, I think it just makes it even harder. I agree with the honest. I think this is going to be tough. Whoever wins this, even in the NHL, whoever wins and walks away with it, deserves all the praise in the world 
because this is a whole unique situation and uh, a lot of people are probably going to give a lot more respect on the MVP of this because we saw Russell Westbrook come out. He got he tested positive. So let's say Russell Westbrook comes back. He's able to get through two rounds and take out some teams, have a, like amazing performance. I think he's going to get some praise and everyone's stock is just going to go up after this, I think. Yeah, I, I can't agree more. I think that's perfect, uh, perfectly said. Uh, a lot of people have been battling, you know, even like it's a shame what happened with Carl Anthony Towns' mom, you know, she passed away from COVID. But imagine if like Minnesota came in and like Towns ended up stealing, like, you know, winning the, the preliminary, going into as the eighth seed. And like, you know, that would have been a crazy story in itself. So there's a bunch of storylines that are going to happen. But I, I do I do agree. I don't think there should be an asterisk at all. I think if anything, this is the, probably the most unique season we will ever see. So I'm very excited when this comes back. We all know they're going to go full tilt. And I expect nothing less from LeBron James. I think he's going to be, you know, he's rested. He's super motivated. And uh, I would watch out for the Lakers come come playoff time. Oh, yeah. And Kawhi, he's right at home over there. Doesn't have to just talk to nobody. He's in a bubble. Probably thinks he's at home over there on that Disney lot going secluded from everyone. But uh, another thing people like, when you go on Wikipedia and you see... The season, the champion, it tells you who the champion was and who lost. And I think people need to take that into account. When you look in the history books, it doesn't say, like, let's say last year with the Raptors and Golden State. It doesn't say who was out, who was injured. It just says winner, runner-up. And uh, I know I said this on a past podcast. I know I said this on radio, but I'm going to quote it again. Great philosopher of our time, Dominic Toretto. Don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile, winning's winning. And uh, a lot of people need to take that into account. When you win, doesn't matter how you do it. It's uh, how you got there. Whoever's a champion is a champion, and that's it. No crying about it. No complaining. That's a champs, and the Raptors are still the champions. <laughs> I love that. That was, that was awesome. The Raps are still going to win. They're going to beat whoever's in their way, and then there's definitely going to be no asterisk. We'll be back-to-back champs. And Masai won't have to worry about a guy coming up to him and saying, oh, where's your credential? Because there's no one in the stands. He can celebrate. <laughs> but for real, though, the way Marcus Gasol transformed his body, Chris Boucher put in on 20 pounds. How excited are you guys for the Raptors to come back? <laughs> you didn't even mention Kyle Lowry. This guy's looking cool. different, too. He's Every looking other year. <laughs> well, uh, I don't know, man. I, I'm. I really hope that Marcus All comes back, and you know he's not. We all know he's all really skinny, but sometimes the weight can really fuck up a guy's game. So I hope it doesn't do that. But in terms of Chris Boucher, I love this guy. I think you know he's only a year older than us. Six uh, ten. You know he's he's Golden State didn't give him an opportunity, so he's from Canada. Toronto gives him an opportunity. He's been flourishing all year. If this guy. Uh, you said he gained 20 pounds. If this guy gained 20 pounds of muscle, you can't really call him slim duck anymore. But, man, this guy, I think he's a talent. I think if we we are going to get rid of Gasol or Ibaka, I'm hoping it's probably going to be Gasol. I really – I've loved the culture. I think Ibaka with this whole culture in Toronto, the multiculture, I think he's actually, like, one of the best, like, uh, what's it called? Like, he's a great icon for the city. He's a guy that, like, a lot of people can look up to. He's a great role model, and, uh, you know, he's very artistic, and that's what the culture in Toronto is. So I think Ibaka is, like, the perfect uh, spokesperson for Toronto. So 
I don't see them trading Ibaka, but I do see a really bright future for Boucher with this team. Seeing as he is Canadian, I think it's only right that we maybe keep Boucher. Yeah. Do you think Boucher, like, I know this year he's been really good, and now with gaining all that muscle, could be uh, positive for his career, but do you think him and OG can really take a step where you can see them starting every game, or are they going to still be, like, guys that you rely on off the bench to come in and get some minutes? I think for OG, it's... um... I love what OG is doing, but I would love to see him take a step offensively. You'll see flashes of it. Like he had a, it was the game in, I think, Denver. We had like seven steals and he put up 30 plus points. Like, I don't know if he's going to be that guy, but I think he's got to have a little bit bit, uh, more of a role offensively. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about Boucher starting every game, but um, I do expect him to maybe start like 30 games, be a great role player. Uh, be a great, you know, uh, you know, interior defender. That's what he does. You know, he gets a lot of blocks. Um, but yeah, just like what Pinello said with OG, I think if this guy's going to start every game moving forward, you know, we all know how great he is defensively, but offensively, I think he needs to step it up a little more. I think Nick Nurse has to start putting plays together where OG has the ball a little more because there are games where I see and he doesn't have the ball at all. In terms of offensively, you know, there's a lot of options. There's Siakam, Powell at times is going, Van Fleet, Davis, you know, uh, Lowry. There's a lot of great guys on offense for us. But I do think, you know, maybe especially next year, seeing uh, OG, I think will be 23. It'll be his fourth year in the league. I think this is where OG, that, 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 that's the year where I, I want to see him maybe average around 16 points a game. Um, but yeah, I, I really do agree with what uh, you guys said. I think OG Boucher, I think they're going to be really great players for the Raptors in a year or two. I, I wouldn't say consistent starter for Boucher, but I think OG should fit that role perfectly in a year or two. What's up next, boys? What do we got? Oh, what do you guys think of the news about Ben Simmons going to power forward? Uh, do you think this is going to work or are they desperate here and it's just the inevitable? One of them's leaving at the off season. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if they're desperate, but uh, I, I kind of like the move. I'm just kind of picturing like when Davis and Demarcus uh, Cousins were together, and they were working fucking four and five pick and rolls down low, and no one really knew what to do with that. So I'm just kind of picturing Embiid and Simmons kind of work down low together, and that would just be monstrous. And then you have um, who would be playing point guard then? Shake Milton. Yeah, he's had a fucking year, but he can move the ball around. He could shoot it. Um, yeah, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see that. I hope they work the pick and roll down low. I like just seeing what other teams would to how they'd react to that. That would just be killer. I like the move for Philly. Yeah, I think it's different. Uh, I know they have Josh Richardson, who's had a pretty bad year. Same without Horford. They got both these guys, and they didn't really adjust to the system well. Uh, but Alex, they traded for Alex Burks. I think he's a great point guard. Uh, he played for Utah. He looked pretty solid. They have uh, Shake Milton, who he, I think he's had two 40-point games this year. A lot of people don't really know him that well, but my God, he could shoot the three. Uh, when he's hot, he's hot. I think he's going to be their starting point guard. They're going to run the small ball up up at top, the one-two. And then, of course, you have Simmons, Harris, and, and Embiid. Those three, you know, down low, it's going to be dominating. It's going to be, it's going to be very scary. 
um, for any team that's going to face them, probably the Sixers or the Heat in the first round. And then, of course, you got a guy coming off the bench. His name's Matias Steibel. This guy is solid defensively. So um, if they play the, the pick and roll down low with Simmons and Embiid, and we all know how great um, Simmons is down in the paint, Embiid, we, like we said earlier in, in numerous podcasts, Embiid would be a monster if he didn't take as many three-point shots. So maybe with Ben Simmons moving to the four, that can maybe make Embiid maybe stay in the paint a little more as they can do the pick and roll. So if that's the case, it's not going to be looking good for teams that want to face Philly. It's a tough one, though, because now where does that leave Tobias Harris? And, like, Al Horford, you would think, would be a reliable player, but he just hasn't had the right fit, I guess, in Philly. I think he still can play on another team, but... Tobias Harris, they spent a lot of money on him. Where does that leave him? I think he's in the same spot, really. You don't really hear a lot about Tobias Harris because it's always centered around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and how these guys are going to work together. But like the Horford one's unfortunate because that was, that was like the very big signing and then they gave him all the money first. And then, yeah, it didn't work out. I think he's just going to be coming off the bench and then when his deal's up, he's probably going to flourish somewhere else. But for Tobias Harris, like, he's got to start hitting some threes. That's all I got to say about him. Yeah, I was just going to say, if you're going to put him at the three now instead of the four, uh, Harris, as Bruce Brown has mentioned numerous times this season, he's got to get his confidence up, especially uh, beyond the arc. Because we saw Tobias Harris in L.A. and even in Detroit. He was a great three-point shooter. He was just north of 40 percent he was around like 38 percent from three which is at that position it's a little above average so he's an above average three-point shooter when he's on that's why he has the big contract and you know he's averaged 20 before i think twice before coming to philly so i think now with ben simmons and joel Embiid running the paint and running inside i think guys like harris guys like richardson and guys like you know, Milton and Burks, I really think that their three-point shooting has to carry them because we thought, like I talked, I think it was three weeks ago when we talked about like the playoff matchups. They don't really have that consistent three-point shooter that you can plug in the game late and, you know, like he can make the three. They had Reddick last year. They lost him. That's a big loss. So unless guys like Richardson and like Burke or Harris, they really got to step up, man. They really got to step up their shooting because that's what they're really known for. So like Pinello said, I think the whole point of even Simmons going to the four is for Harris to get a little more confident with his three-point shooting and making, you know, those clutch shots for Philly. Oh, mentioned Reddick there. Uh, and New Orleans is getting actually a lot of love in the media. Actually heard ESPN on first take. They were talking about the Pelicans, like, coming in. They're praising them, which is odd. They've been, like ripping on them for most of the year, saying they're nothing without Zion. And now Zion's back, and they got this nice mix there. Ingram, Ball, Redick, Zion, and Hart. And I don't know. I think this team can actually make a run. It's crazy as it sounds. I don't see... Like, I love JV. I like what he's been doing there with John Morant. But I see the Pelicans going into the eighth spot. And can you imagine if New Orleans eliminates the Lakers in the first round in this bubble, what the reaction would be? Oh my that'll God. just that'll fuck up everyone's bracket. But uh, I feel like we talk about them every week too now because everyone else is. It's hard not to when you look at that young core 
And uh, I, you know, I fucking love the JJ Redick signing. I really don't know why he walked. Um, yeah, with Zion and Ingram and you know Zoe over there, that's. I don't see them beating the Lakers in the first round if that's the way it would work out. But my God, that would be so much fun. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I was telling a guy at work, give them like two years, this team, and they'll be top three in the West. Um, Zion is looking like a guy where longevity is a question mark for me when I look at him in his career. Like, I'm not really sure if this guy can play like 20 years in the league. I'll say maybe like a solid 10 years you'll get from Zion and then he could be like a role player. Cause man, his, his knees are probably going to give out like sooner than we expect, but man, like just looking at what Brandon Ingram's done this year, this guy to me is now a, he's an all-star. He's, he's a, 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 scratching a superstar status already. Lonzo ball's gotten better. JJ Redick is that perfect utility guy. Um, didn't even talk about Jackson Hayes in his first year. You know, he's over one block a game, which is incredible. Um, you know, they even have Derek Favors, who is a very underrated defender. I, lo- I love this team. Drew Holiday, I didn't even mention. The, oh, yeah, like the, the, Pel- the Pelicans <laughs> are fun team. They're solid. Uh, they got the depth, I think. But again, when you talk about the Lakers, you got to rest it up LeBron, arrest it up Davis. Howard's going there. I can't see the. I, like, as fun as it would be and the story would be incredible, I, even if the Pelicans were to win, in that preliminary guys, I think Portland is literally right there with new Orleans. I think that, like they got Lillard, they got a skinny mellow. Now <laughs> they got, uh, you know, they got CJ McCollum. They got Hassan Whiteside. They got Nurkic coming back. I think Portland is right there as well. So if Portland were to also face the Lakers, I think they would maybe win a game or two, but I'm not talking about them beating the Lakers. I think that's just nonsense in the long run. Like we mentioned there, but uh, yeah, that's it's crazy. I didn't even think about Portland there, but yeah, they have a solid team. Are the Lakers' first round matchup is that like the must see matchup? Because regardless, it's going to be Portland or New Orleans or Memphis. That seems to be the only thing people are talking about. We have the matchup with Ja, Zion, or uh, Dame. I think a lot of I think a lot of people they don't talk about this series enough and it's going to be unreal. It's Denver and Houston. I feel like that series is going to um, open a lot of eyes to fans and how great Jokic and Jamal Murray and that core is in Denver. I don't know if Denver could beat Houston, even though they're the higher seed, you know, you have Harden and Westbrook, those two guys, when they're on, they're probably the most dominant backcourt that we almost have ever seen. Um, But yeah, I mean, like, either way, with this bubble, like, the eighth seed is an exciting up-and-coming team. And it's pretty funny because you have two up-and-coming teams, and then you have Portland, who I don't know how they didn't make the playoffs this year, but they are literally – they've made the playoffs, I think, six consecutive years, so they're pretty experienced. But, man, like, come on. Who doesn't want to see Dame versus LeBron and Melo versus Braun? Like, that would be amazing in the first round, so – I think regardless, there's so many storylines with the Lakers that just work perfectly. And that's the beauty of having LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the same team. Regardless of who's going to face the Lakers, fans are going to tune in because it's LeBron and AD. And when they go against those guys, the competition goes up, the quality goes up. So regardless, that's going to be must-see basketball. Who do you want to see them face? Who would you prefer? Pelicans. I think I think I think the media wants Zion to face LeBron. 
I think that's what everyone wants. But I want to I want to see Damian Lillard face LeBron. I want to see that. Just think because Damian CJ have that fifty point ability. You don't know when they can bust it out. I think they would like the Lakers either way. But I think Portland would take them the furthest. For sure, I agree with that. The only thing with like Portland though, like. I don't know, I haven't seen a lot of it in, like, headlines recently, but, like, do you think it would be a distraction? Because everyone keeps saying that Portland might trade Damian Lillard, or, like, Damian Lillard would want out. Like, would that be more of a distraction than uh, an actual entertaining series? Because everyone would be thinking, oh, Portland is uh, trading them, so they're not really looking at this. I think it's smart with whoever's doing that story, because regardless, if Portland were to go in, uh, face the Lakers, lose, there's another excuse right there. They would they would definitely use that as an excuse. They'd say, hey, you know, um, there were a lot of backstage politics with Damian Lillard during the series. He wasn't really, uh, you know, he wasn't focused. He was talking more about himself because, you know, they are humans too. They have to talk about, you know, the salary. They need to take care of their families. And, you know, even though Dame has, you know, that max contract, um, I think he still doesn't really know what makes him happy. In terms of you know where he wants it, like everyone you know he everyone's gonna say, I want to be here for life. I want to do this, but uh, a lot of people you know they're already talking about how Dame's wasted his prime years in Portland. He hasn't won anything, and I, I'm I'm gonna I I'm the first to say it. You know I think Damian Lillard this year was arguably the best point guard in the league. I had him second. Uh, Alino, you had him number one. I think he was just magnificent all year not a lot of flaws in his game if any I don't think there's a flaw offensively in his game um but yeah uh, in terms of you know a lot of people saying he's going to leave I think that would work out for Portland fans if they lost that's just another excuse for them not beating the Lakers but if anything if I'm a Portland fan and I'm seeing that I think if if, if I'm like a CJ McCollum or I'm a Mello or I'm a Hassan Whiteside I think that would motivate motivate me even more to try and dethrone LeBron James in the first round, just so I can have my superstar point guard stay and I can prove, you know, that I'm working really hard and we want to win a championship in Portland. So I'm, I really hope Dame doesn't leave. I think he would get LeBron type hate if he left Portland, but um, it is what it is. It's a business at the end of the day, but, but I, I do want to see Portland uh, take on the Lakers. No doubt about it. You know damn well that Damian Lillard is going to leave Portland. It's just a matter of time. The only question is, where the fuck would a guy like that go? I don't yeah. know. Probably LA. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Lakers. Whatever else oh, you can okay. trade for them. All the roster players. We'll take Melo with them. <laughs> what a shit show that would be. Maybe, oh, man. Maybe finally go to the the Knicks. Maybe they'll finally get get someone there in New York. <laughs> weren't they uh weren't rumors about Devin Booker just coming up how they wanted to trade for him? Oh man. That'd yeah. be good. That's another is he guy. wasting you said Dame like possibly wasting his years in Portland. Is Devin Booker wasting his time in Phoenix? Easily. <laughs> oh. Tell me why. unless Unless Aiden becomes like an absolute superstar, then you could have that one-two to build around. But they need a point guard badly. Hopefully in this draft they can get like a Cole Anthony or they can get a facilitator to pass it to Devin Booker. But if I'm thinking long-term, like, yeah, like this contract looks nice for Booker and he's still only 24, but I don't know, man. Like in a couple of years, two, three years from here, he'll be 26, 27, 
And I think that's where he really is going to start thinking, you know, I really want to win a chip. I, will, I maybe, maybe I'm not suited to be the first option. Maybe I'm suited to be a second option on a winning team. Um, we've seen that happen with numerous players and careers. So I'm not really sure. Uh, Pinello, I think he is wasting his years, at least for now, because Phoenix hasn't taken a step forward in four years. So until they take a step forward and DeAndre Aiden improves, yeah, I'll say he's wasting his years in Phoenix. Yeah, it is interesting because like Phoenix, they've been drafting and uh, developing and they had Booker, who's still like really young. So the years they were drafting Aiden and the years they were drafting Jackson and all these other guys, it was with that intention of, okay, in five years, they'll all be like 25, 23, 24, and they'll all be like able to play big time minutes, be a top five team in the West. So I think the potential, there was more on potential than actual performance with them. But I think another two years, like Booker's definitely look at other teams if Aiden doesn't take a step up because Aiden started the year testing positive for like PEDs. So he had the gas in his veins. So uh, we'll see how he performs without the gas. And uh, I'm looking at like Eastern teams too, like Bradley Beal is another one. And I'm looking at this tournament and just like the plans for that. Like they have to play eight games. Like what's Washington even? What are their intentions? Are they just coming here? Like, thanks for the invite. And we're looking for some suitors with Bradley Beal. Or can they actually even make a run and be in the playoffs? I think they have to win every game. I think Stephen A will tell you perfectly. I don't know why the Washington Wizards are in here. It's like take out him and then the last team from the other conference. But it's the Bradley Beal show. I don't really expect much out of them for their little stint when we start up again. So. Yeah, Beal's another guy. He says he wants to retire in Washington and all that. They're all going to say the same thing like Chris said. But, man, can you picture him on another team being like second or third fiddle? Yeah, Miami. I could see him going to Miami easily. I think that's where I envision Beal. I, I see Beal, Butler, Bam as a big three. I think uh, I think, I think they're get Beal or Oladipo. I know they're trying to get a shooting guard. I've heard that from numerous people. So I think it's between Beal and Oladipo that the Heat are targeting if they can't get Giannis. So regardless, I think the Heat are going to try and get a superstar. Um, and we're going to see that. But uh, yeah, in terms of Washington, I don't see them doing anything. I think if anything, this is going to be a showcase for Ryu Hachimura, the guy they just drafted in eighth overall. Uh, he's a great player. He's still very raw, but... Um, if he's going to get a lot of touches, it's going to be exciting for us fans to see the future of Washington basketball. You have him, you know, you have Davis Bertans. I think he's another guy that can, he could score. But again, it is more or less the Bradley Beal show this year. He averaged 30 points for goodness sake. So like he, he was scoring at will. I remember, I think he had th three of the last, three of the, of the last seven games I watched him play. He had 50 points. So that just shows how much he scores. Um, but other than that, yeah, like other than Hachimura, Bertans, a couple other guys, they're not a fun team to watch. So um, I, I don't see Wash. I agree with Stephen A. I don't think Washington should even be considered going there. What do you do? Okay, actually, another team that I'm thinking about here. Okay, the Knicks, they're watching all these guys now. They can look at who they can probably target because let's be real, free agency, that's not going to work for them. No, it's not happening. <laughs> you can say everyone that they're interested in, they're not going there. They can throw that out right out the window. Uh, the only way they're going to improve that team is through a trade. Do you trade their lottery pick if you're them and acquire maybe a top guy, like a superstar that can come in and play with R.J. Barrett? Or do you take another chance at the draft lottery? Maybe another free agent will join. 
Let's stick with the draft lottery. <laughs> so you were going to say they should get a free agent's not going to work. But when you said, when you started the question, I'm like, yeah, just start with free agency. But like, clearly no one wants to fucking sign there. So I'm just not up for giving away all of your assets to maybe get a superstar. Like if we're talking about Devin Booker, like, are you really going to trade for that? And then who the hell's Booker going to play with like him and Barrett? It's like, it would be like the same situation, just switching conferences. So it's not a popular opinion, but like, just stick with the lottery. You, you got to keep grinding it out. Yeah, I agree. I think it just depends where they are. If they're going to get the first pick, um, you're keeping that. Uh, regardless, they need they need everything. I mean, Mitchell Robinson's a great center, but I don't know if he's a guy that can play. He could start every game. I know defensively he's he's gifted, but offensively. Uh, not as much. Uh, you talk about, you know, point guards. They they really don't have one. They have Nidalkina. They have Dennis Smith Jr. They have all these guys. But, like, at the end of the day, they're not starting point guards. Uh, Alfred Payton, another guy. Uh, the only guy that I I could consistently say that I've loved this year is Julius Randle, Bobby Portis, and R.J. Barrett. Um, no one else on that team I, that has impressed me. Uh, Dennis Smith Jr., I don't know what the hell has happened. He's gone there and... He's just flat out disappeared. Um, I think they need LaMelo Ball terribly. I think they need a guy like him. They need a Wiseman. They need an Edwards. They need anybody in the top five. So if I'm the Knicks, I'm just, I'm keeping the pick. I'm drafting. I'm going to draft. I'm going to go through the process kind of like what, uh, what the Sixers did back in 2013 to like 2017. Philly was a laughing stock. They would win like 20 games a year at most. So I think maybe the Knicks, they need to start realizing that it's all about patience. So maybe, you know, they drafted RJ Barrett third. Maybe this year you can now draft like a LaMelo ball or another point guard. And there's your backcourt. And then maybe you could start building from there. I know Randall, I think, is there another year. He's not a bad player at all. So if I'm the Knicks, I'm anticipating to be shit at least another two, three years. So I think just keep going with the draft. I know, uh, there's news every day about, you know, a, a bottom feeding team trading for a superstar. Look at what the Pistons did with Griffin. You know, they went all in for him. And then unfortunately it didn't work out. If I'm the Knicks, I look at that, you know, that recipe, what the Pistons did. And I would completely avoid it because again, it could put you back in rebuild mode right away. I mean, the Pistons were what contenders for six months. They had Drummond Griffin and that was literally it. And everyone was, you know, praising them. And then I don't even think they made the postseason. So if I'm the Knicks, just be patient and uh, just stay shit for another two years. The grass will get greener. That's what I can say for Knicks fans. You know what, though? We could say that, though, because we're Leafs fans. We know how they feel <laughs> on some level. Kind of, but, like, their owner is, like, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> what does Charlotte say, then? Like, Michael Jordan, we saw as a player, he was ruthless. And as an owner... Hasn't worked out, and they, they've got all these lottery picks. And for them, I think they're still waiting. It has None of them has wor really worked out. They had Kemba Walker. They got rid of him, sign and trade. Like, what do they do? Like, how and like how can a player like Michael Jordan, a winner, not have, like, any success as an owner for Charlotte? Do you, do you oh. think it has something to do that no one wants to play under him? <laughs> oh. I'm just uh, throwing that out there. Man, you think with his connections, though. He would get like all the big basketball minds, like the top minds to come in and like the best like science analytics guy, the best GM, the best coach, the best assistant coach. They would all want to, you know, hitch their freaking thing to his stardom. 
And uh, I don't know. It's really weird. All the guys that he's known around the game at all different levels. And I don't know, no one seems to come in with like a big name and turn that team around with him. It's odd. Yeah, I'm going to say it's the draft. Literally. I think that's why they've been shit for years. They've had so many opportunities and they just have struck out almost every single time. The only one recently that they didn't strike out on was Devontae Graham, but the only reason was because he was a junior coming out of college and you know how that works. The older you are, the the less they're going to you know take a chance on you. So Charlotte took a chance on Graham in the second round and look at what he's done. So other than that, like Miles Bridges, we'll wait and see. I think he's going to be pretty good. You know, Malik Monk's another guy where I envision him to be maybe a starter. But other than that, man, they, they've drafted Kid Gilchrist. They've drafted numerous, numerous guys where over the years you're just looking back and it's just a big fat X. So I'll say the draft is a lot more important than than a lot of teams, I think, you know, think about. Like the draft, it, it like again, a lot of players nowadays – We've seen Doncic, we've seen Trey Young, we've seen Tatum, we've seen these guys, you know, they get drafted and they're they're amazing right away. And um, I think a lot of teams that are in the basement, they got to start realizing that, especially owners, because some owners, unfortunately, it's more about money and they don't have the knowledge in terms of basketball. So I feel like that's also another another issue in in the NBA in terms of teams that have been struggling. They don't look at they don't take talent seriously coming out of the draft. Like they'll be like, okay, he'll be good in like two, three years. But for now, let's try and get the best free agent available. I think that's what the Knicks have been trying to do. And it's just flat out failed. So I think from this point on, if I'm James Dolan and if I'm the Hornets and if I'm the Pistons, I'm just going to go straight through the draft. If a free agent wants to maybe play for us, we'll give them, we'll give them a meeting. We'll give them a sit down. We'll give them, you know, um, an offer. But other than that, I'm going to just stick to the draft because talent is everything. And these young guys coming in the league now, man, I don't know what it is, but they're getting better and better at a younger age. I really don't have much to add to the fucking Charlotte Hornets. They got Terry Rozier back there. I think you said it perfectly with the draft. They're never at the bottom. So they never have that chance to get those star players. Uh, Like they took Cody Zeller fourth one year. I think Kaminsky was a top 10 pick. PJ Washington, like they, they just gotta keep doing what the Knicks doing. <laughs> yeah, I think MJ needs to just coach, go back and be full on and go into practice, rip on the teammates, make them just need some competitors on that team. Uh, I think he hates what he sees. You think that would be your starting sales pitch, Michael Jordan? You don't even yeah. need to look roster, but for some reason, like, yeah, nothing's happening over there. Yeah, boys, so that was. I don't know if Alino has anything else to add. I'll throw it to him. Yeah, buddy. I'm good. It was a good pod. So, yeah, that was uh, episode 89. Next week is uh, 90, so should be a good one.